Hey, listener, welcome to another episode of This Week in Mormons with the twin siblings, Matt and Melissa. Hi, Matt. Hi, Maddie. Hello, listener. Hey. We're happy to be back. Hey, Melissa, so what's going on in your life right now? Oh, um, let's see. I'm back to school as a high school teacher. Uh, today's my first day back. Wait, it's... like in the middle of August? Early August? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, so we're back. It's great. I love my job. <laughs> I also love having summers off. So yeah. there, there's that bittersweet. But as my husband keeps reminding me, just because you're back at work doesn't mean that summer is over. The weather's oh, really? still is, nice. Still there's still lots of fun stuff? things to do. Yeah, there's still plenty. You can still go hiking. You can go out on the water. You can garden. Summer's not over. It's just that I work every day now like the rest of the adult population. Oh, I see. <laughs> you have to celebrate summer like everybody else does. Yeah. Melissa, yeah. I was in Alaska last week, and summer oh, yeah. there means like rain and uh, temperatures in the high, the highs in like the low 50s. So it doesn't really wow. feel like summer in, in Alaska right now. Yeah. I would never leave the middle of summer to go to Alaska. Like, uh, I would you like the heat. I love the heat. Yeah. Uh, well, if you go to Alaska at another time, it'll be very cold. I know, but it's going to be like cold no matter what. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, in other sometimes, news, sometimes it's nice to get away from the heat and be cold for a little bit in the no, sun. No, it's never. Oh. It's never okay. nice. Okay. Sun is always what I want. Yeah, we're different that way, Maddie. Yes, we definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> but you're in Hawaii right now. Yeah, yeah. But not perfect. Maui. Not Maui. No, but it turns out that everybody who was going to go to Maui came to Honolulu instead. So it's very, very crowded. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm not going to complain about being in Hawaii. <laughs> That's like you know the what? best place you could be. You do a lot of traveling. Yeah. I really like to travel. And um, a part of that is because I have a job that allows me to travel. Uh-huh. Um, but for me, travel is memory. So we don't buy things. We don't have things. But we do travel a lot because I like to make memories. And like – yeah. One of my sons can literally remember every meal we've ever had while we were on vacation. So like, <laughs> like I will say to him, um, let me think of one of the things I was, we went to Miami one time and I was like, do you guys remember that time when we were in Miami and we saw like the turtle baby turtles walking on the beach? And he's like, yeah, for that day at lunch, we went to this restaurant <laughs> and we had this and you ordered this and mom ordered this. I'm like, wow. That's like, where he gets his sense of remembrance from. I can, <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's about memories. I'd rather, I like yeah. to build memories. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, so what's your news, Melissa? Oh yeah. So, um, I did, I, I did get a new calling. Oh, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I haven't had a calling for, I don't know, five or six months. Um, I got really? released. Um, I got released and there's just a lot of people in our ward without callings. Like it's just kind of wow, like that. To be, to be in that ward. Like I, I know, I know. And my wow. husband's calling, he was in the Sunday school presidency. So I'm not saying he mm. didn't have a calling, but it's kind of like he didn't have a calling, you know, <laughs> second counselor in the Sunday school presidency. I don't know. Like sometimes like when the Sunday school presidency comes down on you, you know, you've done something really wrong, Yeah, really wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we were kind of uh, enjoying that lifestyle um, quite a bit. I will be honest, church is boring when you don't have a calling. Like it's so mm. boring. 
it's hard to care if I'm being honest. Like I'll go, like I'll go to sacrament meeting. I'll enjoy the talks. I'll, I'll enjoy feeling the spirit, but like, I'm not going to your, uh, linger longer, which we do have sometimes. I'm not going to your relief society activity. Like I just don't care. Like I just don't feel engaged and involved in, because I don't really have anything I need to contribute. It's kind of weird. I guess it's I guess it's my attitude. Like I could have been doing things without having like a specific calling, but I didn't. Anyways, President Hinckley says every new member needs a calling, and maybe that's why. Like it is. It is. It. I will be honest. Like there's. You know, it's nice to not have to be busy with a calling, but I like having a calling. I I like teaching. I like serving people. So. Yeah, it, it was actually kind of, um, I don't know, like I said, boring, difficult. Anyway, we, um, we, me and my husband, got a new calling. Um, oh, it's a joint calling. It's it's a joint calling, but only he's called. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So right. they called us both in, interviewed us both, gave us both a calling, but he's the only one who actually has a calling. So we're going to be, um, we're serving in a YSA university ward. Oh, so, like in the bishopric? Yeah, in the bishopric. So it's wow. a it's a university ward, and um, but it's interesting because I don't know if you remember about six months ago we covered a news story where the church has been recommending that um, the young single adults actually hold the leadership positions in those wards now. Like they should be counselors, they should be relief society presidents, and all yeah. of that. So, so, um, so, um. Because college university is starting, they've been restructuring all the, those university wards. We are really excited to get the opportunity to serve in a YSA ward. It seems like it fits our personalities and our time of life and and Wait, our so interests perfectly. She didn't fill me in on this. So if it's supposed to be young people serving in those callings, why are you guys doing yeah, it? Yeah. So what they do, at least in this in this university stake, um, the bishop is um, an adult, so not like a YSA. So the bishop is an adult. The counselors, basically mm -hmm. an old man. Yeah, 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 yeah. The counselors, they try to pick YSA, um, young single adults. But so my husband's position, he's the ward clerk. Oh yeah. Um, so the reason they said they like the clerk to be an adult is because, um, there's so much transition in those university wards and they need stability for a, a chunk of several years. Somebody who knows what they're doing and well, can serve as a support to the bishop. Yeah. So the, the, there are things like when you look at passwords of what you can access on like the LDS site. There are mm -hmm. things that only the bishop and the ward clerk can access because they mm -hmm. have access to confidential information that nobody else in the bishopric or in the ward has access to. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So they called him to be the clerk and, and it's a, it's a, I guess it's a bishop brick position. Like he, he yeah, goes to all the definitely. things and kind of functions yeah. as a counselor. But at any rate, I go to everything, but I don't have a calling and I'm not set apart to do anything, but it's great. Like, I love it. It's, it's been so fun. We've been doing it for about a month. So That's we have awesome. like family home evenings on Monday nights. Um, we have, um, they have like a steak sports night every Wednesday night that we go to. And then there's, you know, uh, church on Sundays. So we're going to that word exclusively. And then there's family prayer and, and there's just a lot of different things. And it's been, it's been great, really, uh, 
I, I've always loved young people, but it's fun to interact with them on this level and to get to know them. And yeah, we're really excited. It's been great so far. You guys are going to be really good at that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it, it's been fun so far. Um, I think it's I think it's exactly what we needed. And sometimes that's how the Lord works, huh? Like, <laughs> like honestly, we he were just getting been, real, real it's like, Melissa's lazy not coming to of church. church anymore. She's she getting real even... t- bored of church. She's real lazy there in that ward she's in. We better, we better give she her won't something even to do. Come to a linger longer. She won't. Give yeah. her lots of YSA kind of activities to go to. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's fun to serve where you are, where you're needed, and and where you can use your talents. So yeah, it's been good. It's been fun. So let's open the mailbag, Melissa. Okay, let's do open the mailbag, Matt. We we'll love it, we love to hear from our listeners. We'll open it real wide and look inside and find nothing. A whole lot of there was one email that somebody sent um, when we discussed big deal, little deal, no deal about an individual who had died in Portland. This person mm-hmm. was uh, close to that person who died, and they did not like the flippant attitude with which we used to discuss that topic. So I wrote yeah. a personal email apologizing. We never want to mm-hmm. hurt anybody's feelings. We never want to cause anybody pain. We're just here to have fun. But sometimes we hurt people, and so I apologized. Yeah, we- yeah, I appreciate that, Maddie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You never know. I mean, it is important to remember that there's actual people behind every story. And um, and certainly yeah. we didn't say anything that we felt was hurtful or hateful, but maybe we were just a little too cavalier. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's it for the mailbag. Well, the Twim sisters recorded last week and they think we yeah. need to pick a name for ourselves. They like Twim M&M. Mm, I mean, maybe that's because those are my initials, but Eminem Matt, that was literally your idea. You're literally the one who said we should be Twim Eminem. <laughs> now you don't like it. You know, my kids tell me this all the time that I'll like have an idea and then we'll start doing yeah. it. I'll be like, who's stupid? This is a terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that sounds like you. <laughs> um, well, I went on to chat GPT and said what did they, what they thought we should call ourselves. You said, said ChatGPT, what should we call ourselves as host of This Week in Mormons? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> great. What did, what did ChatGPT say? There were two say? of them. There's the beloved brothers and sisters. Okay. So, you know, ChatGPT is not... But how about Welcome this? to TWIM. We are the beloved brothers and sisters. <laughs> pass. I'm going to pass on that one. And then what else you got? TWIM Marvelous Siblings. TWIM Marvelous Siblings. ChatGPT yeah. did not do us right on this one. Listen, Matt, we're the twin siblings. That's who we are. So this is the thing, Melissa. I have heard from more seasoned podcasters who've been Uh doing this a lot longer than we have. We've only been at this for six months. They say that (laughs) when you're doing a podcast for this short amount of time, you're going to think it's cute to name things and name Uh segments and uh stuff like that. But when you've been doing it long enough, you learn some (laughs) important things. And so I don't know. I'm just cautious about naming things Uh because I feel like that's something I have to earn the right to do by podcasting for uh a a lengthier amount of time. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I heard that too. I heard that. (laughs) Maybe we should just go with Twim, Matt, and Melissa. We're the twin siblings, Maddie. Maddie, we're the twin siblings. Okay, it's time for quick clips. Let's run through some news articles fairly quickly. What you got? So we've got some temple news there's the saint mm-hmm. george temple open house uh september through november i'm to gonna go to that i'm gonna guess that you and like 90 percent of utah is gonna go there some weekend in october when everybody yeah. has time off that's right 
Yeah. yeah. And it's been closed for so long. This is a renovation and a rededication, right? Yeah. I, so I it's been closed for a long time. Yeah. yeah I, I love my kids would never get a chance to see the inside of the St. George Temple. Even if you're endowed, you don't get to see all of the rooms that they let right. you see when you, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, okay. There's an open house in Feather River, California. That's in the okay. uh, Sacramento Valley area. And then the Saratoga Springs Temple was just dedicated. So there's okay. lots of temple news. Yeah, I think we're going to be hearing a lot of temple news for the next several months, which is exciting. It's like finally all of the announcements are starting to catch up with us and, and we're we're enjoying a lot more temples. So that's great. Yeah. Um. So Elder Bednar, have you heard of him? David A? Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so he recently posted something on his social media. Um, it, okay, <laughs> side note. Do you follow many of the uh, apostles and general authorities on Instagram, Twitter? You're probably a TikTok man. <laughs> <laughs> I follow none of them on Instagram. Uh-huh, okay. Or Facebook. Okay. Or t- maybe Twitter. I might follow them on Twitter. I... I uh, I follow quite a few of them. And oh. normally it's just, you know, posts like inspiration or something like that. But I like it when they try to like connect with the people, you know, like oh, uh-huh. try to be like real, I don't know, Instagrammy. Anyways. Wait, it, it can't really be them though, right? It does, are you saying Elder Bednar seriously like puts yeah. stuff on Instagram that he's well, thought of and said, oh, I'm I put think that in. he thought of it and he had somebody help him put it together because there's definitely, you know, there's, there's scenes of like with professional camera work. Right. But there's also several scenes of him walking out of his door and waving hi to the cameraman. And then anyways, the the whole, the whole premise of this post is a day in the life of an apostle. So it's a typical day in the life of an apostle. It's actually fairly, it's actually fairly cute and kind of funny. It's for me, Elder Bednar is one of the more, uh, he's less funny. He's, he's very studious. (laughs) He's a nerd. He's a nerd. Okay. (laughs) Yes. He's not the person that I would think would put this post together, but it was funny in a way. Like it wasn't, it wasn't ha ha funny, but it was fun. Anyways. (laughs) uh, He just basically said, yeah, like, hi, I'm Elder Bednar. Here's what happens when I'm working in Salt Lake City. Here's a typical day. Um, So like he goes to the church office building and then he's like, hey, I'm going to meet with the 12 apostles. We have a lot of serious matters to discuss and then mm-hmm. he closes the door and then wait wait, wait. Comes... if i'm gonna give him some feedback and i haven't seen his post <laughs> that's the part i want to see i, I know that's what i was thinking i was like i don't need to see you walking out of your office walking into another room and shutting the door that i want to see in there <laughs> that doesn't tell me anything about a day in your life the and then there's like a, an there. outside shot of the church office building and i'm like oh which window are you in <laughs> right we don't even get that yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so then he's like, and then I, um, oh, and then I work on talks. I have two talks that I'm working on right now. We speak at a lot of major events. One of the talks I'm working on is October General Conference. And he's like, and then I have a meeting with like, uh, I don't know, like the Europe area authorities or something like that. Oh, uh-huh. And then he said, now I'm going to go assign missionaries. He said, I do wow. that every now and then. I he So he said, today I have to assign 201 missionaries, Whoa. young elders and sisters. Whoa. And he walks into a room and it's just like this 
big computer screens and two people Whoa. sitting waiting and he's just like pointing from one screen to another and they'll move the people to that mission. Wow. He's like, you know, I always pray and fast before I do this, but like it's got to get done and it's got to get done on time. And he's like, so then I go home. Anyways, oh. it was interesting. It was, it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was unique. I thought it was worth mentioning. He yeah. probably thinks there's too many young people out there that think it would be fun to be in the quorum of the 12 apostles. Let me <laughs> them from any notions they have that this is an enjoyable thing to do. Let me ask you do. this. Do you like wearing a white shirt and suit all day, every day? Because that's what he does. That's the, the main thing. I was like, man, this guy's got to be full on dressed up the entire day. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Hawaii right now. There was there's an, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. So he's a seventy from Hawaii, and I was talking with him one time, complaining about how I had to like wear nice clothes or something. He's like, "Listen, I'm from Hawaii, where we didn't have to wear all." He's like, "And when I got called to be a general authority, I have the uniform you have to wear, which is dark suit, right. white shirt, conservative tie." He's yeah. like. I think I'm having a harder time adjusting than you are. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. It'd be hard. Nobody wants that calling. I don't know. Maybe yeah. some people do. That's fun. Yeah. Well, so it turns out, Melissa, that in South Korea, one of their Supreme Court justices is a member of our church. That's kind of fun. Oh, okay. Wait. So is South Korea, do they do Supreme Court justices kind of like we do in the United States? Do you know? I know that they do not have lifetime appointments. I know that this okay. person has like a, a set term on the okay. Supreme Court. Um, Listen, and this, his, he, he's an Area 70 too. Yeah, yeah. 52 How do you years be an old. Area 70 and a Supreme Court justice? That's because a big areas, deal. Area 70 still keep their job. Oh, they do. That's right. They keep their regular job. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Elder mm-hmm. Young Kwan. June Kwan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. So that's kind of fun. Um, there's people who are noteworthy members of the church in the United States, but it also is all around the world. Like members of yeah. the church are in no, noteworthy positions. Yeah. Awesome. That's just quick. Yeah. Good. Um, I have another quick story. Okay. Every single apostle has a birthday every single year. Okay. What? They, they do. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. But this year, the church news decided to highlight that Elder Dallin H. Oaks turned 91. So- he had a birthday. Oh. He turned 91. Again, like I said, everybody has a birthday every year. But uh, but they did a, a big story on him in the church news and, um, you know, highlighted some of his quotes. And anyways, happy birthday, Elder Oaks. It's probably because it's a really high prime number. And once you get to prime that- number, <laughs> you're right. I didn't think <laughs> about the prime number. Life. Prime number birthday. So when will my next prime number birthday be? And instead of having like a ooh, you're fifty years old party, it should be a the next prime number party. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that philosophy. Okay. My wife's into math, so we do pay a lot of attention to prime numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. another quick story is Elder Suarez spoke to missionaries in Brazil. And one kind of fun thing that happened while he was there, somebody that he baptized while he was a missionary was serving as mission president in Brazil. And so he just oh. sort of talked about like bab- helping this person come to the church and things like that. That's really cool. Huh? Yeah. yeah that'd be a lot huh. of fun. Yeah, that is neat. Um, all right, cool. Um, so the church is continuing to donate a lot of money and they're doing a better job of publicizing how they are um, 
spending the money of the church to do good around the world. We know that they've been definitely sending a lot of donations to Maui to help with the fires there. But another thing of note is that um, this year they have, or actually just in the last few months, they have donated $44 million to a lot of places around the world. And it's all to help with um, hunger. So um, their mission is to try and end world hunger. So they're doing things like um, prenatal care for women so that um, they can have healthy births, like so that they're um, nutritious during pregnancy. They're spending a lot of money um, for nutrition for young people. So like from zero to two years old, they're spending a lot of money. Um, But there, there's so many nations and countries um, that they are donating to all around the world. And um, it's just, it's a very big mission and it has to do with um, making sure that people have food to eat. Do you think that they're going to help women in other countries get a hold of the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, so that they know what they should be doing when they're about to have a baby? Expecting. Isn't that an important No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I lived by that book. It was my Bible. When yeah, I was having kids, I, I but I think they, I think they go in phases. What I think is probably they, um, they want them to have healthy food to eat, um, but they oh. probably aren't that invested in um, prenatal vitamins, mm, vitamin the, water. Well, maybe prenatal vitamins, but but things like how much weight you should be gaining. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Talk. How to talk. They're not worried about the mental health of infants. Is there? (laughs) I mean, I think they're worried, but I think in particular right now they're focusing on world hunger. So I, I had a little bit of fun with that last story, Melissa, because this one that I want to talk about is a little bit geeky, but it's kind of fun at the same time. Geeky like you, like your type of geekiness. I'm super into like statistics and like the new great things in data. Okay. So this person, this is, this study was done, um, 2019 to 2020 so it's pre-pandemic okay and what what they did is they got a hold of uh location trackers on people's cell phones the people consented to uh, give access to their cell phones but it was like millions of people and they yeah. tracked where they went and what how they spent their time and they Interesting. As, part of, as part of this they were like let's find a good measure for church attendance in the united states because we don't oh. want to just like you can ask people in a survey, how often do you go to church? But another way is you could just measure how often they go to church. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And so they released their data. Uh, and this is part of a bigger project that they're doing. But what they found is that each Sunday, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there are 1.4 million people in the United States that are attending church services uh, in our church. At LDS churches. Yeah. So if Interesting. You- so what are we at? 14 million members of the church? Yeah, that's not very many. Yeah, oh, well, four- that's worldwide. In the United States. So if, if, the United States, if the United States is half of the worldwide number, and is it 14 million is our number right now? I can't remember. I'm just going to Google it while you talk. So so you say, okay, uh, less than half of the global churches in the United States, but let's just say it's around half. And then if, okay. it's, and if it's 14 so million- Okay, so there's 17 million members worldwide oh, yeah. and 6.8 million in the United States. So we're getting close to only a third in the United States. So if there's 7 million in the United States, 1.4 million is like 20%. So that means uh-huh. yep. 20% of the church members in the United States are attending church each week. Pre-pandemic. That's not very many. Yeah, I don't think so. It's Pre-pandemic. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. 
Mm-hmm. That's think, really not very many. Don't you think after the pandemic, those numbers are even lower? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting sort of like way. But to when talk you look around your board, do you feel like there's only twenty percent attending? Well, I have no idea how big my ward is. I don't spend a lot that's of time true. like on my ward directory, and hmm. there's a lot of movement. And but I, I don't know. I think twenty percent—that's probably about right. Really? Yeah, I think that the, I think that church attendance, and again, that's on a given week, only twenty percent, right? So, right. So, like, you might go three times a month. Yeah. Yeah, right. but you're going. Right. So those people that are coming just once. So yeah. So the church doesn't give us really good numbers on church attendance, but I put a link mm-hmm. to this this Twitter story in the show notes for people who are interested, just to kind of get a sense, but. I do think it's a fascinating way to kind of look at church attendance and who these people are and how many are coming to church. And I, I do think, I don't know, what does that tell us if 80% of people who are members of the church are not coming to church? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know what it tells us. Maybe they need a calling. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It tells us to go more YSA Bishop Brick callings. To yeah. People. <laughs> I have a funny story about counting how many people go to church. Because, um, you know, there's there's the guy who's assigned to walk up and down the aisle and count how many people are in sacrament meeting. Yes. Because we have to give a count each week of how many people attended sacrament meeting. Yeah. Right? So um, so me and my daughter are um, sitting in sacrament meeting one week. And she has a friend that comes to church and comes and sits with us because his family's out of town. But he's a lifelong member of the church. In fact, he's on a mission right now. Shout out to Elder Burry. Anyways, so Elder Burry, he's sitting with us this one Sunday. And um, and the guy, the, the clerk who walks up and down counting the people starts walking to our aisle. And he kind of, he kind of elbows my daughter and is like, shh, shh. Like, shh, shh. And he like, <laughs> he like points his eyes up at the guy, you know, and he's like, shh, shh. And she's like looking at him like, what? I'm not even being loud. And he's like folding his arms. And he goes, he's like motioning to her, like, fold your arms, fold your arms. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, it's the guy. It's the guy. And she's like, the guy who counts us? And he was (laughs) like, no, the guy who makes sure we're behaving. What? (laughs) (laughs) So his whole entire life growing up, he thought this guy was in charge of walking up and down the aisles and making sure that people were behaving. He had no idea that he was taking account of how many people were sitting there. So he literally was like, hey, hey, fold your arms, be quiet. And she was like, we're we're not doing anything. Like, what are you talking about? I feel Isn't bad that, that I never took advantage of that with my own kids to be yeah, like, what a good discipline aisle. model. Like, <laughs> like, right? Isn't that funny? <laughs> or, or just mess with your kids and be like, did you see him drag that person out today? Oh, no, <laughs> right. I didn't oh you should have been right. paying attention. Yeah. They drag yeah. people out sometimes. That's, that's his, funny. that's his calling. He's got to make sure people are behaving. <laughs> hey, Melissa, this is yeah, a man. segment we like to call famous Mormons. Ah, famous Mormons or Mormon adjacent famous people or famous adjacent. (laughs) (laughs) We were listening to the twin sisters and one of them said Mormon adjacent. And my wife said, wait, didn't you, Melissa, invent that term Mormon adjacent? (laughs) Yeah, we coined that term. I'm sure. (laughs) That's been around. (laughs) Mormon adjacent, trademarked. Okay. So you give me a choice of three people and I pick which one of them 
is a Mormon or used to be a Mormon. Or is Mormon adjacent. That's Or is Mormon adjacent. Got it. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Now, this is going to date us a little bit, but, and maybe some of our listeners. Yeah. Well, because we're going to focus on 1980s to 1990s child TV, actors on TV that were like child TV actors. Okay. All right. So there's some famous sitcoms from that time period where the primary like person on the show was a child or a young Okay, I'll know all of these. This is totally my generation of TV watching. I'm ready. Okay, so first we have Jason Bateman. Do you know Jason Bateman? Okay, Jason Bateman became popular later, but he had a sister, Mallory Bateman, who was on the show with Michael J. Fox. Yeah, uh, Family Ties. (laughs) Family Ties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on a different show with Sandy Duncan. I can't remember the name of it right now. But he did a lot of things later on. In fact, he still does stuff right now, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, he has a really popular podcast. But Ozark is a TV show that he did. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Jason Bateman. Got it. Uh Uh-huh. Ricky Schroeder. Oh, Ricky Schroeder. He was such a cute little guy. Yeah, Silver Spoons. Okay. And Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron also had an actor sister, Candace Cameron. She was on Full House. What was Kirk Cameron on? He was on Growing Pains. Oh, yeah, Growing Pains. Yeah. I I had such a crush on him. He was so cute. And do you remember, like, when he was born again, he started making the show do a lot more Christian-themed things and a lot more, like, anti-drug messages. And Do you remember this phase of the show? No. I was probably still distracted by how cute I thought he was. Well, he but had a, I'm, a very famous come-to-Jesus moment. That's what I was going to say. I know he's religious, but I don't think he's LDS. So I'm not going to pick him. Okay. Um. So between Jason Bateman and Ricky Schroeder, I'm going to pick Ricky Schroeder? Yeah, that's right. It's Ricky Schroeder. Is it really? Yeah. He tell me. A, tell me. He just grew up a member of the church. I think he's actually still active in the church. Wait. Okay. Um, he's a okay. great guy. I don't think he's left. So I tried to find like a, a person who's still identifies as LDS I, I, and active in the church, and that'd be Ricky Schroeder. Are you sure? Yeah, go to his Wikipedia page. I'm on it right now. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, so um, in 2000, Schroeder joined his wife's church, the Church Oops. of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, okay. He is not very vocal about his religious beliefs. In a 2015 interview, he said, I don't consider consider myself extremely religious, but at the same time, I do believe in I do believe there is a higher power. But he said this um he and his wife separated for divorce and filed for divorce at this time. So maybe it was kind of difficult for him, you know, with that going on. But, um, but yeah, Hmm. it it doesn't say that he's no longer a member of the church. So he was when he was a kid, he converted after his TV show. Okay. True. Okay. Okay. Well, Well, that's fine. That was was so much fun. (laughs) If you bump into Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> ask him. Say, hey, I'll ask you him. were wondering, like, how strong is yeah. your faith in Joseph Smith? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the right <laughs> approach. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, did you know that I was on a Southwest flight with him one time? I ended no. up sitting right behind him. And then there's this other guy. Um, he's on CSI. Anyhow, it's a story for another day. But I okay. ended up on a Southwest flight with Ricky Schroeder one time. Next month, will the CSI guy be the um, famous Mormon? 
No, he's definitely not a Mormon, but okay. I, did, I did not know he was a famous person. And I asked oh. him to watch my luggage while I went to get my family because they were boarding <laughs> the flight. And he was like, you have two minutes. And I was like, you don't have to be so curt with me, sir. I'm just asking you to do a little favor for me. And so I run and grab my kids and we come back and these people are taking pictures with him. And I was like, why in the world are we taking pictures with this guy? Big deal, little deal, no deal. This is my favorite segment. I like this one. Okay, what you got for me? Oh, I'm going to go first. Okay, here's my headline. I'm going to tell it to you, then we're going to decide if it's a big deal, a little deal, or no deal at all. Okay? Here's the headline. What President Freeman wishes for the young women of the church. President Freeman's the new young women's general president, just for context. Okay, that's that's really helpful because I was about to say no deal at all because I have no idea who President Freeman is. Okay. Yeah. So President Freeman is the new general young women's president. Three things she wishes for the young women of the church. Ready? Three, two, one. Big no deal. No deal. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's a big deal. She has three wishes and they're all for the young women of the church. Listen, I think it's a big deal because I think that we are going to see big things out of this young women's presidency. Um, what? I really do. Yeah. So first of all, but it's just a young women's general. Yeah. I don't understand. They are, they are making huge strides. Like every time I turn around, I'm like, wow, wow, wow. Like they are, they're taking themselves seriously. And I like it. I like it because, um, not only are they coming out as like strong, bold women who have things to say and things to do, their focus is on young women. You are going to be uh, the women leading the church in the future. And so you're young now, but also um, you're strong and you're important. And I just think their I think their vision is so broad and so impressive. And like they, they just, they seem to have a lot of new ideas and they're just not afraid to enact them. And I think they're going to be amazing. I think we're going to be really impressed with the things they do. That's what I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, Do you want to know what the, the, well, you don't have to be, (laughs) you probably didn't like the Barbie movie either. It's fine. I'm just kidding. Oh my goodness. What has nothing to do with either. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. Oh man. I got to go. I used to play with Barbies when I was a kid, and I never felt like it was okay. But if there's a movie, there about is. It, yeah, um, I think Melissa. There are literally fifty Barbie movies. There's Barbie like Mermaid and Barbie Fairy. Yeah, yeah. The Twelve Fairy-topia. Dancing Princesses and the Pop Star, right. Pop Princess and the Pop Star. I own them all. I love them all. Yeah. See. Yeah. So okay. I've seen all those. Okay. I think we got off track. Um, the point oh, yeah, is, yeah. what are the three? Is that Mister Freeman? Witches, uh, is boldly coming out and being like, young women, you're important. I notice you and I expect you to uh, to build your testimony. The three things are, you're a child of heavenly parents. Jesus Christ will be your greatest strength in your lifetime. And the Holy Ghost will never fail you. That's inspirational. Thanks, Matt. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say, in my limited experience with young women, and it's very, very limited, yeah, yeah. the last thing they want is to be seen. All of them seem to want to hide in a corner. Well, that's not so going to that's not going to happen anymore. It's not going to happen okay. anymore. Yep. You'll well, see. Then this this is a big deal. Thank you. <laughs> okay. My headline is the Supreme Court's neutral stance on religion creates more chaos than clarity. Is that a big deal? Okay. A little deal or no deal? 3 2 1 Little no deal. deal. 
Oh, well, oh. Okay, we both agree this. This is just a, like an opinion piece in the Deseret News, uh-huh. and um, this person goes through like the history of court cases on prayer. Uh-huh. And so, if you're interested in knowing more about that, you can follow the link and read the story in great detail. Um, I think that everybody who spends time thinking about uh, what the First Amendment means, where you have it says two things. It says that the church, that the United States will not establish a religion, but it also guarantees the protection to freedom of religion. Okay. That those two things can come in conflict from time to time. So what does it mean to establish a religion versus what does it mean to allow free practice of religion? Mm -hmm. And the Supreme court has struggled with that at least for 200 years and they continue to struggle with it now. And so that's why I say kind of little deal, but it's a headline out there. It's a story. But they'll continue to struggle. But would you say they have a neutral stance right now? That's been the position of the courts up up until maybe, I'd say in the last 60 years. But the current Supreme Court being Mm -hmm. more conservative is sort of saying maybe like neutrality, having the government be neutral on matters of religion is not a standard we can hold on to. So maybe Mm -hmm. we have to like rethink neutrality as a standard. Mm -hmm. So like the question is like, does if the if the government is not neutral in matters of religion, are they establishing a religion? And that's sort of the de- the current debate that they're having. I see. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know what I think? Yeah, I think I would make an excellent Supreme Court justice. Okay, well, let's put you on there. I mean, now I'm- I don't have any experience with the law. Okay, and I don't really. I don't really know that much about politics, although I don't think you have to, to be a Supreme Court justice. I mean, you're a branch of the government. You don't have to be, you know, political. But I'll tell you what I'm really good at. Mm -hmm. Judging. (laughs) Yeah. And I like it whenever I have the opportunity to be judgmental. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not anti-religious, right? So as a Christian, we are not supposed to judge, right? We're not supposed to judge others. But I like to judge. And so if you ever say to me, would you like to judge our coloring contest? I'll be like, yes, I'm your I'm your gal. Would you like to judge our singing? Absolutely, I would. I would love to judge that. Would you like to judge our Supreme Court case? Yes, I would love to hear your arguments and how you've laid them out. I would love to judge that. I'm sure like that's in the job description, right? Must love yeah. judging. <laughs> Must you love, love judging. judging. You're not eligible. <laughs> Okay, Melissa, what's your next one? (laughs) Okay, are you ready? Researchers Uh studying intersection between LGBT, mental health, and religion. Mm -hmm. Three, two, one. Big deal. deal. I knew you were going (laughs) to say no deal. I knew you were going to say no deal. Um, I'm going to talk about it anyways. I think it's a Yeah, I want to no. Okay, so this is um, Utah State University researchers. Oh, okay. Well, now maybe that is a big deal. Okay, they're doing a 10-year study, and they're only in their third year of the study. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it's going to be a a big study by the time it's all done. But basically, they're just looking at um, LGBTQ people or um, what they say is LGBT plus. Yeah. And then current and former Latter-day Saints. Okay. And then um, helpful and unhelpful practices of promoting health and religion. So they're just looking at all aspects, but it is an academic study, but it is studying specifically Latter-day Saints and LGBT 
plus members of the church. I would like, um, I would so like to see I the results of that study. Yeah, I'm interested in that. I would too. I would too. Um, so th- they're only three years into the study, but they have said there's five things that they've learned for sure so far. And again, some of these people that they're studying are still in the church. Some of them have left the church, but they're all um, Latter-day Saint related. So okay. the main things that they said they're learning so far is that um, – If you're a person who has strong religious convictions, but you still want to love and support LGBT plus members of the church, um, which I hope is all of us, um, that basically you need to prioritize on listening instead of preaching and that you need to learn about individuals and their experiences. So you don't need to talk just about relief. Uh, beliefs, but talk about experiences. Hmm. And you need to respect other people's autonomy. Another word I would use for autonomy is agency. Mm-hmm. And then you just need to have unconditional love. I don't think these are like mind-blowing things that mm-hmm. came out of the study. I mm-hmm. think we would all say like, huh, really? Maybe love like, people, respect no them, deal? and listen to them. Maybe we would say no <laughs> deal. <laughs> Shoot. I'm going to study no if eating sweets makes people <laughs> more healthy. so that's why i said no deal i think it's great i really i mean it's great i think it's great to do the study so that you can have some actual statistics behind it but yeah it'll be several years before it's completed but this is my this is always my thing on this stuff i have to see how they're studying it because the Mm -hmm. truth is people don't really know the answers to some of these questions right when a person Mm -hmm. a person's interacting and you if you're doing like survey questions and you're asking them questions about how did that make you feel and why did you do that People often yeah. don't really know the answers to those things. So yeah, that's why I say I, I'm interested. I hope I'm glad that someone's doing it, but maybe it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Okay. 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 My well, story is. Listen, um, we'll yeah. stay posted. Yeah. What's your story? My headline. Did Joseph Smith plagiarize the Sermon on the Mount? Big deal? Wh- Little deal? Or no deal? Three, two, one. Big deal. No deal. Oh what? God. We're opposite? <laughs> Come on. Well, You say it's a big deal? Well, this article, I think, is really, really cool. So that when, okay, I was a tell me about it. when I was a missionary, there were a lot of people that would get to that part of the third Nephi that's very, very close to the to the book of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount. And they would So this say, is when the Savior visits the people after his resurrection. In the Americas. In the Americas, and he teaches them basically the same thing that he taught the people in uh, on the Sermon in on the Mount. Jerusalem, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so they say, "Look, Joseph Smith just copied this from the King James. Like, this is proof that the Book of Mormon is not true because this is so much." They say it's basically the same as what's in the New Testament. Okay. So this is well, isn't isn't um, isn't Second Nephi basically Isaiah? Well, yeah. So that's why I say it's a big deal because. There's actually, so with with just the second Nephi and Isaiah stuff, once we uh-huh. discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, we actually have manuscripts of Isaiah that date back further than any of the manuscripts of the Bible that we have now. And uh-huh. so you can actually compare what was written in these older manuscripts and what's written in the current Bible. And there's okay. things in the Book of Mormon where the old manuscript says one thing and the newer version of the Bible says another thing. And the book of Mormon actually has both things in it. And you're like, wow, mm-hmm. yeah. how would, how would yeah. Joseph Smith have known that? And, yeah. and so this article that we have a link to is, is cool because what she does is she goes through and compares 
the the New Testament and Third Nephi kind of and goes through all of the stuff. What's the same? What's different? What are the uh-huh. nuances? And so it's really cool because for all of those people that say Joseph Smith just copied this, this is really good like evidence that says he really could not have copied it because first of uh-huh. all, it's not a very good copy if it was a copy. But then here are the nuanced things that are different. So it's a fun uh-huh. article. That's why I say it's a big deal because okay. somebody took the time to like document the differences between investigate. These yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Okay, Matt, I don't want you to take my next headline too flippantly. Okay. Oh, oh. Just I want you to be careful. Okay. Okay. Okay, here we go. Man faces felony charges after stealing chicken nuggets from LDS church. Okay. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. Big deal. No deal. No, it's a big deal, Melissa. Come <laughs> it's on. A, it's a great headline. It's, it's a great headline. Nuggets, right? So why were there chicken nuggets Just chicken in the nuggets. church building? Just chicken nuggets. Okay. This is in Provo. Okay. Oh. So um, a Provo man um, was arrested for breaking and entering into a Provo church and then stealing chicken nuggets out of the fridge and eating them. Wait, what makes okay? that a felony? I'm not sure. <laughs> which is um, what's quite interesting about it. Um, but yeah, um, neighbors saw him wandering around the neighborhood, looking into cars and into backyards. And then he entered the church through an unlocked door. The rest of the building was locked, but one door was unlocked. It wasn't during regular church hours. There was no one else in the church building. He went into the building. All the lights were off. He rummages through the kitchen cabinets. <laughs> and then... Um, he gets a bag of chicken nuggets Someone, like, and um, warms nuggets. them up in the microwave. Yep, warms Someone them up in the microwave. In the freezer of a church building, and he yes. ate some. And he ate, he warmed them up in the microwave and ate them. And he's charged yes. with the film. This is a big deal because he unlawfully felony. entered the church building and admitted to taking food that wasn't his. Mm-hmm. He was arrested and booked oh for goodness. burglary, oh which my. is a felony. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Poor here's guy. the thing. I think he was hungry. Yeah. I think the guy well, even if he's was not, hungry. Like you're eating chicken nuggets, like a felony seems a little well, bit steep for that. Yeah, like you went into an unlocked building. <laughs> like the door was unlocked. You went in, you found some food, you ate it. I mean, I think you probably did that a few times as a teenager, Matt. I'm not gonna <laughs> I think condone you probably any, did. I'm not gonna condone any illegal behavior. But this should be right. a warning to everybody. Like, just because you see chicken nuggets in the freezer of the church doesn't mean you can eat them. Listen, why are there chicken nuggets in the freezer of the church? So from time to time when we're asked to clean our church on Saturdays, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll take the kitchen as our job to clean. And mm-hmm. we'll look in the freezer because my wife thinks we should be cleaning the fridge and freezer. Yeah, your wife is thorough. Uh-huh. Yes. And there's food in there. And we always have a debate, like, what should we do with this food in the freezer? And uh-huh. she says, well, we should throw it out because we've got to clean the church. And then I say, but that food yeah. belongs to somebody. And they probably put yeah. it there for a good reason. And I don't know yeah. the answer to this question. I don't know. Like, Okay. Well, the reason I'm wondering why there's chicken nuggets in the freezer is because when your kids were young and you brought them to sacrament meeting, and you know, like when kids are young, sometimes it's their nap time or sometimes it's lunchtime and you're trying to keep them on a schedule. So a lot of parents will bring like a little bag of snacks, like some goldfish or some yeah. Cheerios and like a little baggie. Did you do that? No, I did not do that. Well, I, 
I did do that. And then I graduated and I started bringing chicken nuggets. Okay. Because <laughs> that's what my kids actually like to eat. So if they were reverent during the sacrament and it was time to pull out the Cheerios, I'd pull out the chicken nuggets, which side note turns out can really stink up a chapel. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have them in tinfoil and then I'd let the kids unwrap them. And then I'd be like, man, this whole church smells like chicken nuggets. So that's why I'm wondering if that was the particular reason oh that people goodness. had chicken nuggets in the freezer. Let's hear the little ding. And they're like, oh, oh, have I yeah. been good enough? And did yeah. you bring dipping sauces into the chapel for them for their chicken nuggets? I, I don't recall, but it's possible. Wow. It's possible. Listen, well, sometimes mothering is hard and I did everything I could to make it easy on myself. And and if, yeah. if a person stole that, like somebody's going to show up to church on Sunday hoping to be reverent and they yeah. won't be there. Yeah, and the food's not going to be there, but luckily the man will be charged with burglary. So, Whew. I wonder if they'll be allowed to give a victim statement at the sentencing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My story says the holiest places in the world. Big oh. deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one. No deal. deal. Yeah, it's just a story. I don't know. Are they LDS places? No, 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 no. Just all kinds of places you can go to that are holy places. Which, by the way, this reminds me, this is a different story that I'm not putting a link to. Did you know that Ken Jennings has a book out? Yeah, 100 Places to See After You Die. I'm reading it right now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, so apparently it's a thing to make a list of holy places. Holy places that Um, are real, holy places that are fake. It's fascinating. It's, It's a really great book so far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there okay. you go. Good recommendation. All right. Here's our last one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. What happens? What happens to your church digital information when you die? Mm. Three, two, one. No deal. Big deal. No. How are we so completely opposite of each other today? <laughs> I don't know. So weird. Wait. You know, your church digital information. Yeah. Do you not care about your digital information when I'm dead? Yeah. No, I don't care about my information when I'm dead. Okay, but okay, like we were talking earlier in a story and you said that like the researchers had given people cell phones and were tracking them. Yeah. And I was like, I would never <laughs> sign up for that study. Like literally, I give nobody permission and none of my apps have permission to do anything. They're all in deep sleep mode. Like when we are on vacation and somebody's like, yeah, pull up and see what restaurants are near us. And I'm like, well, my phone won't be able to do that because I don't let my phone know where oh. I am. I don't let it oh, do location Melissa, you're tracking. Mi- you're missing out on the, the vibrant wonders of the world. Yeah, I just don't. I, I like to be careful with my digital information. I just, I do. Even when you're um, dead? Well, I don't know. No, definitely not when I'm dead. This story is basically saying like, look, you have digital information. Um, so it's, but it's not the things you would think. It's, it's not like your records. It's like the things you highlighted in your gospel library. Yeah. Yeah. What happens to that stuff when we're dead? Well, do you want to pass that down to your children? I do. No. Do you really? No, I'm serious. Do you want them to be able to see what you highlighted in your scriptures? Yeah. And what? Yes. Note she made. So my wife's father died uh, around at the beginning of this year, and he uh-huh. left his. One of her sisters ended up with his copy of his scriptures that he marked, and uh-huh. it's just such yeah. a treasured thing that to have. You're like, right. A, I guess when you look at it like that, yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you want to pass that stuff down to your descendants, you have to let the church know before you die. Oh. Okay. So okay. you can go to your account at churchofjesuschrist.org 
And you can indicate what you want them to do with that after you die. So you can say, don't share my data with anyone. Or you can say, allow my family and descendants to access my notes and highlights after my death. Let me guess what Melissa's going to choose. uh, Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing there. (laughs) Like, are you really going to spend time looking at my notes? I seriously. And also my notes are literally just a variety of colors and underlines. And like, I like to just like mix it up like, oh, this is a pretty color. And then, but it doesn't mean anything, you know, yeah. like it's just what mood I was in. Um, no, I, I don't think anybody's going to be looking at my notes after I die. But listen, the default is not to give it to anyone. So if you don't go in and tell them what you want them to do with it, and you've been dead two years and nobody who um, has legal authority for your information comes within two years, then they delete it. Well, they should because it takes server space, right? This It's not free to store things digitally. So I yeah. think that's a good default position to just delete it. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Hey, we have a new segment um, this week, Melissa. Yeah. We have a segment called Twim Takes um, because sometimes there's just things that I want to talk about, even though there's not current news having to do with it. Yeah. 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 We'll just talk so about it's, it. It's, yeah, it's twim takes. So I have two twim takes that I want us to talk about today. Okay. The first one, um, do you send your child to school with a cell phone? Yes, I do. You have two kids in high yeah, school right now, yeah, right? Yeah, they're going into their junior year. Okay, I, you send them to school with a cell phone? I really tried hard to not have them have cell phones for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But we live mm-hmm. in a world where everything's digital. And like, yeah. like, so they just actually need cell phones. And so, yeah, they both have them and they take them to school. So what do they need it for at school? So teachers will like in class, they'll put things out that kids have to do on their cell phones. I'm not really familiar mm-hmm. with like these classroom things. There's announcements mm-hmm. that they miss out on on sports. Mm-hmm. Like all of the information thing about sports comes through on their cell phones. There's these like mm-hmm. chat things that they use to keep in touch with. So this is more FSY, but like FSY like creates these chat groups that kids use to keep yeah. in touch with yeah, each other. Yeah, they communicate. Is it is it that you're worried that you want to be able to get in contact with them during the no, school day? No, not at all. Okay. Okay. And also, I don't um, know if you've ever heard of Be Real, Melissa, but Be Real is a thing. Yes. And you have to take the picture exactly when it tells you to take it. You cannot do it late or you are out of it. Right. Yes. I've... I've heard about this. I've been with one of your sons when Be Real came up and I was like, oh, quick, get the duck face and the peace signs going because that's, you know, you got to do the picture. I don't know. We were on a flight to Hawaii and my son had data and he was just so giddy because who else has a picture of them on a flight to Hawaii on Be Real today? On Be Real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, the reason I bring it up is um, mainly because what I want to do for Twim Takes today is talk about if you should send your child to church with a cell phone. Mm. And, uh, and I think that we don't think about this very much, but I would like to, um, I taught Sunday school. So it was, um, 17, 18 year old class. So it's the oldest kids. They're getting ready for mission. They have scriptures on their phone, right? The, I, when I go to Sunday school, I access my scriptures on my phone. I access the lesson on the phone. Um, but the thing is, and, and like you're saying, like everything's on your phone. But the thing is, is that phones are super distracting, yeah. right? And um, and sometimes they're on their phone, but sometimes they're texting. Sometimes they're on Instagram. Sometimes they're taking a picture. Sometimes they're playing a game. And I hate to say it, but sometimes they could be bullying the person next to them, yeah. right? Yeah. As a teacher, I'm very aware that like uh, when your students have their phones out, you are no longer 
managing your classroom, right? Because your classroom is going on virtually and you do not know how those kids are interacting with each other on their phones while you think they're engaged in your lesson, right? Yeah. And so I just, I, I, I know that every, literally every youth has their phone at church and that, that that's kind of the way that we run things, but I'm concerned about it a little bit. I am. And I do sometimes think, and again, I use my scriptures on my phone at church all the time. But sometimes I think like, if you're like, this could be weird. This could just be me being weird. But I kind of think there's a physical power to physical scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I feel like when you're holding the actual scriptures, touching, feeling them, there's more of like a, I don't know, a spiritual feeling that comes. And, and I do think that like, that we're super addicted to our phones and we kind of get glazed over and we kind of disconnect, even though it's supposed to be a means of connection. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Um, with my, so I teach um, in young men's, we have the deacons and teachers combined. So deacons typically don't have phones, but teachers is when they're first getting their phones. Okay. And, and there's a real value, in my opinion, of doing the scriptures on the phones because you can just access yeah. so many different things. And yeah. if you use the LDS library thing, you can like create gospel chains and things like that. And you can like mm-hmm. link things together. It's so, really quick to click from one link to another. And I hate to say it, but like the kids today don't know how to use books. So if I absolutely do not, scriptures, yeah. it takes forever yeah. to help them find Thessalonians or something yes. like that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I see value. What I try to do with my kids is like on your phones, you can set up routines that when you're in a certain place, certain things happen mm-hmm. automatically. And so okay. I try to encourage them, like when you go to church, power all these things down and make them not right away available at church, uh-huh. that you uh-huh. have to go through an extra step to do that. Just because yeah. I try to teach them like how they, I don't know, like you should do have routines where you're behaving differently with your phone in different places and different times. But of course they're mm-hmm. teenagers. And so they make choices and do things that I don't love yeah. sometimes. But I think that's yeah. just part of parenting in the modern world is like uh, the, the instinct is to say, let's just take it away. But the reality is in the modern world, you do a better job when you teach your children how to use it properly than when you say, mm-hmm. let's just take it away. Yeah. I mean, I, I do agree. I, um, I want church to be a safe space, right? And it's hard when you can't control every aspect of that to make sure that it's a safe space. Like it's hard and always wanting to be in control is Satan's plan. Like I understand that. Like that's his absolute plan is wanting to control everything. Um, But but it is something that I worry about. I worry about that, that things are happening on those phones and interactions are taking place that are that are not good. And, and I also worry that it's so much harder to feel the spirit that way. For sure. But I have noticed, Melissa, my kids look at what I do and kind of mm-hmm. follow my example. So there are times it's when true. I'm bored in church and I flip out my phone and look at stuff I shouldn't look at in the middle of yeah. or something. But I've noticed yeah. like when I keep my phone closed and I only open it to right. read a scripture, my kids it's will true. kind of do the same thing because yeah. we'll follow our lead a lot of times. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Okay, it's just a conversation I wanted to have. Yeah. I have another conversation I want to have in Twim Takes. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Now, I know that we've people have already talked about this, but I haven't. Oh. <laughs> well, let, it's let been me, on my mind. Let me be here for you, Melissa. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I want to talk about the Lori Vallow Daybell 
statement that she made at her sentencing hearing. Oh, okay. Are you familiar with this? Yes, I watched it multiple times when it happened. Okay. Live and then yes. after. Okay, yeah. So listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can um, follow the link in the show notes. But Lori Vallow-Daybell, she's the woman who was convicted of killing her, both of her children. And Lori, where are your kids, her- Lori? Where are your kids? Lori, where are your kids? Yes. Yeah, thank you. Uh, anyways, I just could not get over the statement that she made at her sentencing. Okay. It was, she was asked, do you want to make a statement? She said, yes, she did. And to me, Matt, it was like she was bearing her testimony. For sure. Like it was 100%. so much a testimony meeting. Yeah. And she said things and you would be like, we believe that. We believe that. Hold on a minute. <laughs> we don't believe that. And then she'd keep going and you'd be like, okay. Cause like she is a Latter-day Saint, right? Yeah. Like that's her foundation. That's what she still continues to call herself. But she's also got some really extreme beliefs. Yeah. And when she was saying some of the things, so some of the things that really just, that got to me, um, was talking about how she said that when she um, was giving birth to one of her children, that she died and she went to heaven. She left her body. She interacted with spirits that she knew. So like some sisters and relatives. And then she came back to her body. And because of that, she's able to uh, speak with spirits now. Yeah, And that's since she's, you know, since her, her children and Tammy have died, um, she's talked to them and they're doing great and they're in the arms of Jesus. And that's where she's going to be. And, and at no point is it like, because I killed them. right? Right. Right. And I just, here's the thing. Yeah. She's probably crazy for sure. For sure. Okay. But like, to me, I just cannot wrap my brain around like, like if you're not a member of our church, right? Or even if you are, like the thing she's saying, she's so, she's so certain of, right? Mm -hmm. Like she has such a belief in. And, and to me, it's like, she's bearing her testimony. And like in our religion, when people bear their testimony, we listen to them, right? And you're supposed to feel the spirit. Right, 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 right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had those same feelings when I was watching, listening to her. On, like I was like, okay, if this isn't a sentencing of somebody who just killed her kids, this could be an inspiring and inspirational and motivational testimony. Like it could be a mm-hmm. faith promoting thing. But mm-hmm. but then what the judge says after that is that she's been diagnosed with delusion disorder. And mm-hmm. what her sister then says is that story she told about dying during childbirth. She yeah. never told us that story. I've never heard that before. Right. Yeah. So it's all part of this delusion disorder that she has, which, yeah. which yeah. of course it seems real to her. And of course it seems authentic to her. And of course yes. it's going to sound authentic to us because we kind of share in the same language that she has and we share in the same yes. like, worldview. And so if she's sharing something that is real and, uh, and authentic to her in a way that we're used to, then of course it would seem that way to us. But in reality, it's just a delusion. Yeah. But people look at all religious people as delusional, right? Sure. Like the things that we believe, right? Like that a 14-year-old boy saw God the Father and Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. That could – a lot of people look at that and say you're delusional or yeah. you're at the very least deceived, right? Right. Right. Yeah. But, but not only religious people have delusion disorder, right? There's people that have delusion sure. disorder and then they have these other kinds of weird delusions. But but this is why I think the scriptures tell us that by their fruits, you shall know them. 
So mm. you go back to so killing your children isn't isn't the good fruits. That's not the good fruits. <laughs> well, and even if we want to go to the scriptural example of where people are killing people, and it's like supposedly God's uh-huh. will, they're, yeah, they're yeah. not behaving in sinful ways in the other ways, right? So we know uh-huh. about Nephi and Laban because he told us that he killed Laban. We know, and he's he's not covering it up. He's not burying Laban in his like boyfriend's backyard. He's not denying uh-huh. it, right? When people say, where's Laban? It's like, you can tell them by their fruits. And so her, I see what you're other saying. things going on in her life point to her being not a spiritual giant. And so no matter mm-hmm. what she says, then you have mm-hmm. to say, okay, but if she was a spiritual giant, she would be being a spiritual giant in other aspects of her life. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, it's something I needed to do a twim take on Matt. Like it's, hey, it's so bizarre. Listeners, yeah. tell us what you think about these things. Like, we would love to hear what you have to say about this stuff. Yeah. Thanks for being there for me, Matt. Thank okay. you. <laughs> so the next segment is Mormons doing goodly. And I chose this one specifically for you, Melissa. Thank you. I'd love to hear it. So Frank Vandersloot is um, a very wealthy person who lives in Idaho Falls. And he started... Just a minute. Did you have to practice saying his name a few times before you said it so smoothly? <laughs> Frank <No>. Vandersloot. <laughs> Frank Vandersloot. Vandersloot. And he Go started on. the I'm company Melaleuca, which uh, you Okay, can... yeah, in Idaho Falls. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. every year, Melaleuca and Frank Vandersloot, they finance the largest fireworks show west of the Mississippi... And so oh, yeah. that's my Mormons doing goodly. Like how cool that they, of their own goodwill, say we're going to do this really cool fireworks show. And it is a very cool fireworks show. And uh, just in celebration of country and God and all the things they love. And I can't even imagine how much it must cost. It's got to like, be so expensive. Matt, I'm so glad you brought this up. As you know, I love this fireworks show. Yeah. I live nowhere near Idaho Falls, but I travel to Idaho Falls to go to this fireworks show every year because it is so fun. And this year you came with me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Remember? It was, it was stormy, so fun. stormy, stormy. And I said, yes, going to clear up everybody. Don't worry. It's going to clear. I said in like five and minutes. And we were like huddling under blankets and trees as hail is coming down. <laughs> and, and it did. It was crazy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Great everything weather. cleared. Yeah. Yeah. And then remember, well, I we didn't... were so close that the fireworks were landing <laughs> on top of us. No, we listen, we were covered in ash from the fireworks landing on top of us. That's how close we were. And the wind was blowing because it was still a little bit stormy. And so I don't think the ash was supposed to land on us. I think it was supposed to land in the river, but like it was on us. Like uh, Jared, my husband had a couple of little burn marks from fireworks, (laughs) like actual fire. There was that it was one so that fun. Landed, I love being close. That green fireball that's like bouncing on the ground and then goes shooting <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. I remember yeah. you guys were like, we've got this really great spot. It's always empty. No one's there. We're not sure why. And yeah. I think now we know why. <laughs> it's a little Well, maybe we cool. do. It's a little risky. Well, I did not know that Frank Vandersloot, the man who pays for and puts that together, was a church member. So that's great. Thanks. Thank you, Brother Vandersloot. Yeah. We, we love it. We think it's great. We love it. Okay, it's time for our final segment this week in Mormon history. Some of them are pretty short. They're actually all pretty short, but I wanted to highlight okay. some really cool things that happened this week in Mormon history. So, okay, bring it on. 35 years ago today, in 1988, uh-huh. the 100 millionth endowment was performed for the dead. 
100 million in 1988. So I don't know what the number is today, but they. they That was going to be my next question, obviously. They haven't been like celebrating that. But if it was 35 years ago at 100 million, I bet we've doubled it since then. Don't you think? Wow. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. For the dead, right? This is church membership has grown. Then you would think so. Yeah. Yeah. This comes from the diary of Leonard Arrington. He I've was heard a, that name before. He was a church historian. So this the person who, who puts these together goes through his diary. But anyhow, this is a okay. fun little story. So this is 50 okay. years ago, 1973. He says, Elder Anderson came into my office for a few minutes this morning. He said that President Heber J. Grant told him that Joseph F. Smith told him about this story, uh, this informal conversation he had had in independence with Joseph Smith III. So, okay, so Joseph F. Smith is is Hiram Smith's son. Yes, but what's his position in the church right now? At that time, he was a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Okay, and he's talking to the prophet or president of the church, yeah, President Grant, uh-huh. about a conversation that he had with somebody who would be like his cousin, right? Joseph Smith the Third is Joseph Smith's son, who's the president of the RLDS Church, and so he's Joseph F. Smith's cousin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. I'm there. Okay. And so he says, he says that while he was in independence, Joseph Smith, the third leaned over and said, you know, I wish I knew for sure which one of us is right. And and president Joseph F. Smith replied, I thank the Lord that I do know which one is right. Oh gosh. (laughs) That's That's fantastic. We've never had a conversation like that with our cousins. <laughs> I wish I knew which of us was right. That's a fantastic story, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> That's and great. Then the last one is short, but it's 85 years ago this week. The first Desert Industries store opens up with the oh. dual purpose of providing low-cost items as well as employment for disabled and elderly persons. 85 years ago. Huh. Yeah. I they- did not know it had been around that long. That's really interesting. Yeah, I love the desert industries, and I like yeah. what they do. And I, so, yeah, eighty-five years ago. Huh. Awesome. Well, that was yeah. fun, Matt. Yeah. So that's it, Melissa. So thanks for recording with me. Remember, listener, that you can subscribe to Patreon to get bonus content for just a few dollars a month, and uh, you could subscribe to This Week in Mormons on social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Facebook and at Twitter. It's at the Real Twim, and um. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to send us email feedback uh, at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You should know that we read the emails and we respond mm-hmm. to the emails. We love to yeah. hear from you. Yeah. And um, I also love to plug my other podcast, The Latter-day Lens, that it's, it's a weekly podcast. Just yes. a lot of fun with my pals. It's very good and getting better as it goes on. But yeah, I really, I enjoy listening to you guys. You all have such different perspectives on things, but always from a faithful and kind and um, a really uh, supportive approach. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We like to talk about uh, difficult issues from a faith promoting perspective. Yeah. Um, Also, if you want to leave a voice comment, you can do it at our website, thisweekinmormons.com. And, uh, We want to thank you for listening to the original Mormon slash Latter-day Saint news podcast. Join us again next week. Thanks, listener. Thank you. Thank you.